Oh, and that is the oh, rock you aesthetic. Seth and I have a favor to ask. If you are enjoying Extra Credit, the Rock You podcast, please do us a solid and go ahead and share it with friends. Also, if you rate and review it on whatever podcasting platform you listen, it will get to other people and that'd be good. We want more people to hear about this stuff that we think is so cool. So share, rate, review, and thank you. Hey Rockers, welcome back to Extra Credit, the Rocky Podcast. I'm your co-host Seth Hinckley, sitting here with the Bella Salazar to my Mila De La Garza, wow. the Dean of Rock U, Mr. I, Matt Black. I have no idea what that reference means. I can't wait to find out. How you doing, Seth? I'm doing good, man. It's ha- cold here in Houston. Yeah, I was it's about colder to- here. It's colder here than it is in Paris. It's like 19 degrees outside this morning. I was about to ask you what you're wearing, but I see I can barely see you through that, you know, that fur cap that's covering your ears and the giant puffy coat you have to wear in there yeah exactly it's like real winter it is deep underneath the jacket though i am wearing my van halen t-shirts oh okay well i can imagine that i am wearing since you didn't ask i am wearing my wet leg 2022 (laughs) tour t-shirt which i've worn on the podcast before i'm happy to be wearing it again i guess we can tell you a bit about why we're wearing these t-shirts but first since you bring up the fact that it's cold i just have a little update on a previous episode so do you mind if I slip it right in here in the intro? Sure. Tell us what you got. Yeah. So our, our bonus episode, I think it was 39, our bonus winter songs episode, your number one winter song was Riding the Storm Out by Ario Speedwagon. Speedwagon. And you told the story and you brought up the fact that they were snowed in or almost snowed in at a club called Tulagi in Boulder, Colorado. And I wasn't expecting you to mention Tulagi. And I immediately busted out that my cousin used to manage Tulagi and set up all the rock acts. <laughs> and it's true. And so I contacted him and I asked him. This is my cousin's name is Chuck Morris. He's a Colorado rock legend. And I asked him what he remembered. And he said, here's what I remember. They were coming to play in Boulder at Tulagi and hit a big snowstorm and barely got into town. And that was the basis of the song. So he didn't remember much more than you said. <laughs> but then he said... <laughs> He said, yeah, he said, but that's he cool said, that he was it there. It is, it is. He said, that's my memory of REO. Sometimes my memory is amazing, and other times it's not so great. <laughs> I didn't, I, I won't necessarily take that as a comment on how he feels about REO Speedwagon. I'm sure he wouldn't want to, me to speculate on that on the air, but <laughs> he does have some great <laughs> stories. If I had an easy way to share them with you, I would. If you're in a time zone that works, you can listen to his weekly radio show, I forget the name of the station. I should look that up. I'll put a link in the show notes. It's not preserved. You have to listen to it while it's happening, and it's 3 p.m. Oh, yeah. 3 p.m. Colorado time. So here in Paris, it's a bit late for on Sundays. It's called Uncle Chuck's Music Box. I'll share the link in the show notes. You can listen to Uncle Chuck's Music Box and send him, a, send him a message. Tell him extra credit the Rock You podcast sent you. That's awesome. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So getting back from Ario Speedwagon, and this kind of ties in because that was when they were kind of up and coming, I mm. guess. Smooth segue, What are we doing Seth. today? <laughs> well, an episode, I think it was 35, where yeah. we were talking about bands that hadn't broken through for one reason or another. I used as my criteria, I used two factors, that they had to have at least 10 years of major label output, but under 10 million monthly Spotify listeners, which seemed like a fairly good dividing line for what was popular, what was really popular and what wasn't quite so popular. And because of that and some other things that we were talking about, I thought it might be interesting to flip that around. Let's do our top five artists who have fewer than 10 years of major label output, but more than 10 million Spotify monthly listeners. In other words, up-and-comers, people who are really making it big really fast. I was going to ask you for your criteria, but that, <laughs> there they was are. That, that was right there. So what I did on mine, I didn't say that they had to have 10 million That's monthly okay. listeners on Spotify, but I did say that their first album, not an EP, like their first real album, mm-hmm. had to come out within the last 10 years. Yeah, it's perfect. And they aren't as big yet as I think that they will be. Agreed, yeah. It wasn't a criterion, but all the artists on my list, the oldest one is 30 years old. These are young musicians. I will also say that even though this wasn't the criterion, I have kind of an ulterior motive here, which is a lot of the music that's listened to by younger people is dismissed by people our age, especially if it, shall we say, verges on pop. 
And right, yeah. people our age who think that way are missing out on some great music, some really spectacular stuff that I love. And so I really thought it'd be cool to maybe change some minds, showcase some of these incredible young artists who are not afraid of pop and mix it in with rock and roll. And there's a theme there, which will emerge hopefully in my picks. I may have one band that kind of verges on pop. The rest of them are just straightforward rock and roll, which is the stuff that I like. Mm-hmm. So hopefully between the two of us, we'll have a good blend of newer artists that people can go out and take a listen to. We'll see. Hopefully so. All right, man. How about I go first and then I'll give you the last you, word on sure, this Sure. You want to do the over-under? Oh, yeah. Over-under. Man, I'm going to say the over-under. I was going to set it at one and a half and I think I'm going to take the under. I'll Because def- I'm, I'm fairly certain that looking at your shirt, that uh, <laughs> I don't think you're going to have any of my bands. You might, but I doubt it. I'll take the under two. All right, go for it. What's your number five? So my number five is a band that I heard about from watching a YouTube channel called Justin Hawkins Rides Again. Now, if you don't know who Justin Hawkins is, he's the lead singer for the band called The Darkness. Hmm. And I had heard like one or two of their songs. And he's got a fun YouTube channel where he goes through and reacts to certain things or interviews other people. If you're just into the world of rock and roll and you want to hear a guy who's pretty musically well-rounded and a lot of fun to watch and listen to, Justin Hawkins is a great guy. Justin Hawkins Rides Again is the name of the channel, I think. And the band that he brought up on a recent show on his YouTube channel was this band called the Southern River Band. Hmm. They're from Australia. And the tag that Justin Hawkins had was, they're a proper effing rock band. (laughs) And he's right. Their first album, which was called Live at the Pleasure Dome, which is not a live record from the tracks that I've listened to, was released in 2016. And they've put out a couple of more albums since. But the last two singles they've put out are just stellar. The albums are good, but these two singles are stellar. They're from Australia, and not uncoincidentally, they sound a little bit like ACDC, <laughs> but ACDC mixed with a little Leonard Skinnerd. The lead singer who also plays guitar is a guy named Cal Kramer. He says his guitar playing is heavily influenced by Stevie Ray Vaughan. And they're definitely blues rock, but they do it really well. And like I said, the albums are decent, but the last two singles are really where they kicked it off. And I think the one that you guys should listen to, that I'm the one song that I'm going to pick for this broadcast, is Stan Quaylen. I don't know why they named that song that. <laughs> I don't know if it's a ripoff of Van Halen and some Aussie thing it's that cool. they do, but, <laughs> but it's six minutes and 11 seconds of some pretty awesome rock and roll. And let's listen to a bit of it here. Now I think you guys can understand what I was talking about when uh, I said they were a mix between ACDC and Leonard Skinner. Sweet. Uh, the, the other single that they have out is called The Streets Don't Lie. It's a little bit shorter. I think Stan Quaylen is one of their longer form songs. But man, some really, really good rock and roll. So my number five for up and coming artists is the Southern River Band from Australia. And I don't think that they have very many Spotify listeners, but hopefully they will soon because they're touring all over Australia and they've opened for the darkness in Australia. So hopefully they'll break out. Yeah, What's think, your number five? Well, I think my number five is a little bit better known than your number five because my okay. <laughs> number five is one of the premier hook writers of her generation, and it's Billie Eilish. And ah. Billie Eilish has only two full-length LPs out, and uh, she has 65 million monthly Spotify listens. That's or listeners. That's I don't know if it's listeners or listens, but whatever statistic it is that Spotify gives you on the artist page, that's pretty yeah. high. That that's up there with anyone you want to compare to. But the problem is, again, people your age and you know our age, they hear the electronic textures, they get a look at what 
her hair looks like and they're just like ah, it's just another you know oh and they see her fan base they look at the 12 year old girls going nuts and like this isn't you know what i would like yes you would she's an incredible songwriter every song's got something that will pull you in and what's really interesting is her first album has you know a lot of driving beats and is really invigorating the second album is almost like she's a torch singer it's these really stripped back laid bare arrangements not a lot of instrumentation not as many hooks as the first album but she kills that too yeah. she's an incredible writer she's got a distinctive singing style which is very breathy and i know some people don't like it i don't mind it because i think it works so well with the material that she's using cuz she's talking about people who are who have trouble, are in trouble, who have flaws, who are imperfect, and she's really very vulnerable and beautiful, and yet she can really rock. If you don't know that, you can hear it just by listening to my favorite track, which I've mentioned many times because of the great cover of it by The Interrupters, which is performed by The Doodads, but my favorite track, and let's listen to it here, is Bad Guy. I'm that bad type, make your mama sad type, make your girlfriend mad type, might seduce your dad type, I'm the bad guy. You can't beat that hook. It is a great hook. It's really interesting to listen to what her influences are. She talks about the Beatles, Justin Bieber, Green Day, the 1975 Arctic Monkeys, Linkin Park, Lana Del Rey, Tyler the Creator, Childish Gambino, and Avril Lavigne. These are all over the place. And I think this is another problem that people our age have, is we get hung up on genre way too much. We've talked about this before, too. And we think, well, this musician has to go into this box, and this musician has to go into that box. Billie Eilish doesn't seem to care about that at all. She'll take her material where she finds it and be perfectly happy with it. A couple of notable things about her. First of all, she's very creative in terms of her use of things. I think most people know she pretty much recorded her first album with her brother, Phineas O'Connell, at their home studio, basically in their bedroom with a mat, with a laptop. Yeah. Uh, and that was pretty significant. She wasn't the first to do it. I think she was influenced by Lord there, but she was the probably the most successful to do it. And there's this very cool interview, I can't remember, I think it's with Jimmy Fallon, where Phineas is talking about where they got some of the sounds. And one of the sounds they use on Bad Guy is a recording of the sound that a street crossing makes in Australia. Let a visually impaired person know it's safe to cross the street. And it sounds like kind of like a hi-hat played really quiet and fast and that's the beat on Bad Guy. <laughs> so that's awesome. They take sources from everywhere. I mean, he, he really deserves a lot of credit too for everything that he's put into it. Just a couple other things. She is the first woman and the youngest artist in Grammy history to win all four general field categories, Record of the Year, Album of the Year, Song of the Year, and Best New Artist in the same year. She's also the first person born in the 21st century to win an Oscar, which now I didn't write it down, but I assume it's for the, the James Bond song that she did. Uh, She's also got yeah. just little some cool things about her too. She, like some other artists, she has synthesia, meaning she she sees sound as color. She can visualize color yeah, when she synesthesia. Listens. Synesthesia, yeah. right? I spelled it wrong. She plays instruments well: piano, guitar, ukulele. And she's had a really interesting and very laudable stance on body image. Uh, she was known for wearing these big baggy outfits, puffy jackets, and big sweatshirts and big stuff like that. Sweatshirts, yeah. She, you know, in a pop landscape where so many young women are basically focusing their attention on what they look like and how they dance on stage, not necessarily how they sound or how they create music. She right. stands out in that regard. She said she didn't want what she looked like to be a distraction. And I think that's a pretty inspirational stance for someone her age, which I think, I don't know, what is she now? 22 or something like that? I don't remember how old she is, but she's my number five, Billie Eilish. The production of her soft singing voice mm-hmm. The way that they get that on the record, I think, is amazing. And they, the way it's mixed. Yeah. I don't know who mixed those records, but whoever did that did a really good job. Okay, what you got for number four? My number four is a band that I just looked up, and they've got 3.4 million Spotify listeners. <laughs> they're just coming in under the wire because their first record came out in August of 2014. And it's Royal Blood. Yeah. It's drum and bass, but it's not drum and bass, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Mike Kerr, who is the vocalist and plays the bass and the piano here and there, and Ben Thatcher, who's on drums, are the band Royal Blood. Their songs are pretty heavy, but they're not metal. And I have evidence of that because the (laughs) Global Metal Apocalypse Awards gave them the Breakthrough Non-Metal Band Artist (laughs) Award in 2015. So they kind of sound metal-ish in some of their songs. No, no, no. I would would say hard rock for sure. 
not metal. Yeah. Their music is really heavy. It's got a lot of good rhythm. And the song that I'm picking for these guys is Out of the Black off of their self-titled debut album. I love the hard bass, the Tom Groove breakdown, and the lead-in drum part that gets repeated in the song is amazing. So we're going to listen to that. The other songs that I like from them that really walk, uh, these are just a few of them. Figure It Out, 10 Ton Skeleton. Thank you, Rory Quinn, for turning me <laughs> on to that one. I Only Lie When I Love You, Typhoons, and Pull Me Through off their latest album. Cool. So number four for me is Royal Blood. Right. What's yours? What's your number four? My number four rocks pretty hard too, and it's a great story. It's Monaskin, and I'm doing my best to pronounce the Danish word there. Not manskin, it's yeah. Monaskin. Monskin, Monaskin. Fantastic story. They were not really known outside of Italy until 2021 when they won the Eurovision Song Contest. And it happens yeah. to have been the first time I ever watched Eurovision because we had curfew, if you remember. In That's 2021. right, we did. <laughs> yeah, so I, I, we all had to be inside by 8 o'clock, and I had never watched Eurovision. My wife loves it. And I was like, fine, I'll watch Eurovision. And I was like, this is incredible. I loved it. It was a great year because one, <laughs> one of the interesting things was all the acts kind of sounded the same, except Monoskin. And Ex- they were, yeah, except <laughs> and for them. So they carried it away with a really hard rocking <clears throat> set. But again, they're not afraid to mix genres. They're not afraid to mix genders. They're willing to bring in elements of glam rock and punk rock. And I know it's all rock and roll, but they're very, they have a very modern sensibility about what they do. The song they won with, which was called ZDA Boni, which roughly translates to Shut Up and Be Good, was in Italian. And Eurovi- like most of the Eurovision Song Contest contestants sing in English because it's just right. more popular. They didn't do it, and they won despite that. And when they won, the lead singer, Damiano David, took the microphone, and he said, we just want to say to the whole of Europe, to the whole world, rock and roll never dies. Rock and roll's obituary has been written many, many times in the past few decades, and it just keeps coming back. And Monoskin, to me, is one of the best new incarnations of what rock and roll means in 2024. Let's yeah. listen to their one of their latest songs which I love which is called Honey Are You Coming again great hooks great music I went to see them in March of 2023 and they had just really? come out yeah they were fantastic and they had just come out with a new album and I was really busy and I wanted to listen to the album before the show especially since I thought some of the songs might be in Italian I wanted to know what was going on and I just didn't have time and I was like well I'll just have to take it on faith that these are going to be good songs and they were I didn't know any of the songs and they were amazing I mean the ones I knew were great obviously but I knew them yeah. but the new ones were all fantastic too they have a lot of range they did some great stuff they had a couple of ballads which were just acoustic guitar and voice they did a whole break with just drums and bass. They did some great audience participation. Apparently, uh, they do a song called The Cool Kids. They bring like 50 members up from the audience to do this, the last song on stage with them when they do the song. Oh, that's cool. They're just, it's just a fantastic band. It's really nice to see rock, like just a hard rock band. You know, the Led Zeppelin lineup, voice, yeah. guitar, bass, and drums. They were profiled in the New York Times last year. They really love hair metal. Like a lot of the stuff they love is like uh, Skid Row <laughs> and Pan- um, and a rat and stuff like that. <laughs> and, you know, it's rat's just, pretty awesome. Yeah, I'm just saying that's the thing. You think these things are like, well, they've run their they've run their course. They're never coming back. But this is rock and roll. It's not going anywhere. So, Monoskin, yeah. my number four up and comer. What's your number that's three? Awesome. My number three is a band called Dirty Honey. They've only got about 375,000 monthly Spotify listeners, but I think they're on the way up. This four-piece bands, like you were saying about, and I'm going to butcher Monoskin. Monoskin. (laughs) They're a four-piece band just like they are. Their first EP came out in 2019, and the first full album, which is self-titled, came out in 2021. These guys are a southern blues rock band with tons of energy and tons of musical chops. The song that I'm going to pick for this band is called The Wire. So let's listen to that. 
So the lead singer who is Mark LaBelle, his vocals sound to me a little bit like a gravelly Robert Plant. And the band kind of reminds me a little bit of the Black Crows, but harder. I just think these guys are really good up-and-comers. And for guys like me that grew up listening to some of those old Southern blues rock bands, these guys are a new group that's coming out, carrying the flag for that. Other songs that I like by them are When I'm Gone and Rolling Sevens, which came out on their EP, The Morning, Gypsy, and then there's one off their second record called Won't Take Me Alive that are really good songs. If you look far enough afield, and I don't know if it's on Spotify, but I found it on Apple Music, they have a cover of Prince's Let's Go Crazy, which is actually a pretty good Southern rock take on the song. And it's not as fast as the original, but I kind of like it. It's not half bad. Uh, it's kind of hard, in my opinion, to cover a Prince song it's always hard to cover and Prince. do it well yeah. and not do it exactly the way Prince did it. And these guys took a pretty good stab at it. So that's why, that's not the only reason, but that's why they're at my number three, cool. Dirty Honey. Cool. All right, so who's in spot number three for you? Before I give you my number three, I just want to go clean up my Mona Skin number four for a second. I forgot to mention in the beginning, four studio albums since 2017, 20 million monthly listeners. And okay, in cool. case you were curious, I did mean to mention this too. The word Mona Skin is Danish for moonlight, and their bass player, Victoria DeAngelis, even though the members are Italian and were in school together in Rome, she's half Danish, which is so, that's where, ah. that's where the name comes from. Okay, to my number okay. three. When you hear the band name One Direction, probably the first thing that comes to mind is <laughs> dismiss. I do not need to think any more no. about One Direction, but skip. But, I'm telling you, people our age, I'm telling you, Harry Styles is one of the best musical talents working right now. He's 29 years old. He'll be 30 in a couple weeks, probably around the time this episode comes out. Only three albums, I'm not counting his One Direction output, which started in 2014, but three albums as a solo artist since 2017, 55 million monthly Spotify listens, and his songwriting is astounding. He's got these three different albums. He's exploring a lot of styles. So the first one explored a lot of hard rock, actually, songs like Kiwi. Speaking of Prince. He has a song called Sign of the Times, which I think that's when I realized what a good talent he was, because it's such a simple song, and yet there's something so compelling about it. It's a long song, and you have to wait for this closure that comes in the outro, which I just absolutely, it's just too much for me. It's so good. Maybe that's the one we should listen to. I had a different one in mind, but let's listen to Sign of the Times. So Sign of the Times also falls into that category of songs by the same name that I keep trying to it get you does. to do well, a, I think we a have you slotted about. in. I think we have you slotted in for an upcoming segment on that. Um, <laughs> Sign of the Times, by the way, I just remember, I think I geeked out on this one in our best outros episode. So I probably, you, uh, I'll give you, you an, may have, I'll give you a bonus okay. track. I'll give you a bonus track in the Spotify list. But anyway, since that first album, he's gone back to exploring pop. He's integrated some funk. He does some really interesting things with his touring band. He plays with an all-female touring band. He's a very creative, intelligent, and thoughtful songwriter. I think if you have to come up with a comparison, I know this is a big stretch because he's only 29 and there's a lot of road ahead of him. I think of David Bowie a lot, someone who could master different styles and different personalities and characters. And you just know there's going to be more transformations and reinventions coming. But again, people our age, they, oh, Harry Styles, he's that cute kid from One Direction. I don't need to know anymore. You're missing out. Harry Styles is a great artist, and he can rock very hard in addition to writing some beautiful pop songs. So he's my number three. All right, what's your number two? All right, my number two is the reason why I'm wearing my Van Halen shirt, because I don't have a shirt from any of the bands on my list. (laughs) But the reason I'm wearing my Van Halen shirt, and you guys have probably already figured this out, is my number two is Mammoth WVH which is the project done by Wolfgang Van Halen. His band has two albums, the first of which came out in 2022. It's a self-titled record, Mammoth WVH. And then Mammoth 2 came out in 2023. This is Wolf's project, and it's kind of like the start of the Foo Fighters because on these first two records, Wolf plays all of the instruments. And I never knew this, but he, like his dad, Eddie, his first instrument was the drums. He started playing the drums first and then later learned how to play guitar and bass 
and keys, and he can sing really well, just like his dad. He's obviously influenced by his father because he, when he was a teenager, played bass in Van Halen for a good number of years and toured with them. But he's got his own sound. The song that I'm going to pick for this project, Mammoth WVH, is Epiphany off the self-titled first album. And we'll listen to that here. This is just a great, straightforward rock song with really good vocals and harmonies, and he recorded all of that. There's other songs that I like by him are are Mr. Ed, Don't Back Down, Distance, and Take a Bow. I think Take a Bow is off the second record. I've seen him play live at the Taylor Hawkins tribute show where they did a few Van Halen songs because of Taylor's love of Van Halen. He's just an amazing stage presence. Hmm. He's got a really good band that goes out and tours with him. And the thing that blows me away is you would think that because his dad is probably one of the most recognizable figures in rock and roll, not just guitar players that he would have more people that would follow him, but he's only got 361,000 monthly listeners on Spotify. But take a listen to this one. It's not Van Halen. It's definitely his own thing, but it's really pretty good. So that's my number two, Mammoth WVH. What's your number two? Well, I'm also wearing the t-shirt of my number two artist on this list. (laughs) That's my Wet Leg tour t-shirt because Mark Heim and I went to see Wet Leg in November 2022 when they had a total of, up until about a week before we saw them, they had a total of four songs available that you could find to stream. Four songs. And yet they had this crazy, crazy critical acclaim. I'm not really sure if I can explain it, but everyone who listened to them just thought they were incredible. So Iggy Pop went on a, a rant about them. Elton John played their song on his uh, Apple Music radio show. Here's a quotation from a rock star who I won't name until after I say the quotation. He said, there are nights when we just play that song on repeat. Guess who it was? It was Dave Grohl, (laughs) who comes back a lot lately. At the moment, they only have 2.5 million Spotify monthly listeners, which falls short of the standard I set for myself. But the crazy amount of buzz that they got makes up for that. And they only have one full-length album release, released in 2022, just a few weeks before I saw their their show. Same thing with Monoskin. I didn't know what to expect because I didn't really have time to listen to music in advance. And every song was great. The audience was going nuts. The band had this great stage presence, despite being young and inexperienced. They're actually the oldest band on this list. The, the two principal members, Rian Tisdale and Hester Chambers, are about 30. I think one of them might be a year older. They had this joy and this energy, and the crowd was just absolutely loving the show. The show was fantastic. Rian Tisdale and Hester Chambers are from the Isle of Wight, which is sort of an unusual place to be from. <laughs> And the English Channel. It's it's pretty Uh, small. Yeah, it is. (laughs) And their background is kind of interesting, but they met each other and found they had a lot in common, including a really, really great songwriting sensibility. The through line for all my five choices are they're all great songwriters. And these songs are just too good to resist. And I think the one we should listen to is their first hit, the one that uh, Dave Grohl likes to listen to on repeat, and that's uh, Chez Long. Assign someone to worry your mother. Excuse me. What? Excuse me. And you can tell they're big into indie rock. They're drawing from a lot of pop and indie rock influences, but they can rock hard. They have a backing section, three musicians who play bass, drums, and keys, and I guess guitar too, now that I think about it, because they both play guitar as well. Rian yeah. Teasdale does most of the vocals and plays rhythm, and Hester Chambers does most of the lead and does some backing vocals and harmonies. They just have a great sense of humor. They're clearly looking at music as a playground. They said themselves they never expected to become famous. They were just making music that they 
wanted to hear, that they liked and they thought would be fun. And it comes across that way. Fantastic stuff. Wet Leg, which by the way is a probably more than a double meaning, but on the Isle of Wight, apparently that's a derogatory expression about someone who is just a tourist because their legs got wet coming off the boat. They're not uh, <laughs> islanders. And it also in English slang means a self-pitying person, like we would say a wet noodle or a wet blanket, like, oh, poor me, that kind of thing. So there's a, probably yeah. a few other meanings you can find there too, but fantastic band in my number two spot, Wet Leg. All right, What's top your- <laughs> of the list for me. This band is the epitome of what Rock You is all Ooh, about. I like that. Yeah, it's the Linda Lindas. <laughs> They're a kid band. The youngest is 13 and the oldest is 19. And they learned how to play their instruments within the last five or so years. And they formed a band in 2018 and they write all their own songs. They're a pop punk-ish band and some of their songs are pop punk some of them are just full-on punk songs Hmm. they kind of remind me of being a mix between like the runaways and the go-go's they've opened for bikini kill wow at a certain point they've played with the drummer from the go-go's on stage cool these young ladies they switch out the lead singing duties the guitarists bella salazar and lucia de la garza both sing the drummer mila de la garza sings and the bass player eloise wong sings and the funny thing is eloise is on bass only because she was late i think to their first practice and because mila's hands were too small to play a guitar or a bass so she ended up on drums (laughs) mila's the youngest she's the 13 year old (laughs) The song that really put them in the mainstream was their super punk song, Racist Sexist Boy, (laughs) when the performance at the L.A. Public Library ended up going viral. But the song that I'm going to pick to focus on is their song, Talking to Myself. So let's listen to that. This is a great pop punk tune with really good lead and backing vocals. To me, it sounds like it should have come out in the 80s, which is a huge compliment in this day and age with some of the monotone songs. None of the stuff that you're talking about, but some of the monotone songs that get a lot of play on Spotify. Other songs that I think that are really awesome from these ladies is a song called Oh, with an exclamation point. Hmm. Gotta love songs with exclamation points in the title. Growing up, Racist Sexist Boy is something that you gotta hear. And a later song that they've done as a single called little bit of soul that's in a movie that i didn't write down and then there's a song that they wrote about one of the girl's cats (laughs) nino nino the killer of mice and rats (laughs) which i I just think is great it's a punk song about their pet they're opening for green day this summer on the north american tour that they're doing with smashing pumpkins and rancid But the coolest thing about this band, and this goes back to them just being what Rock You is all about. Hmm. They were being interviewed as they were playing a show for KCRW. And the interviewer was a a woman who has a son who's high school age. And she said that those girls were living her dream. And Eloise Wong, the bass player, asked for the microphone. And she looked at her and immediately said, you know, it's not too late for you to do it. Oh, that's so great. Oh, and that is the oh, rock you aesthetic. And that's why the Linda Lindas, who've, I'm going to look up the Spotify thing here just real quick. I um, love this story. They only have 341,000 monthly listeners on Spotify. It's not bad for a 13 year old. They, <laughs> they are so awesome. The band sounds so great together. They write all their own music. This is what Rock You is all about. Fantastic. That's why the Linda Lindas are my number one up and coming band. That's fantastic. I feel like I've heard the name, but I can't really be sure. But I just, I'm definitely doing a deep dive on this band. I love everything you said about them. Can't wait to go more. pull them up. Go. There's tons of videos on YouTube of them playing live. They're awesome. Cool. They are absolutely amazing. The two De La Garza girls are sisters. Mm-hmm. Eloise Wong is their cousin. 
And then Bella Salazar, they've been friends with Bella for a long time, the two sisters, because their moms work together. I think that's the story. <laughs> that's how they all got put together out in L.A. They're just amazing. Super cool. Really, really good stuff. All right, man. <laughs> You're making my 20-year-old number one seem like a seasoned veteran here. <laughs> <laughs> What's top my, of the list? My top for you? of the list artist is the reason that I suggested this topic because on our recent episode, I think it was episode 38, Breakup Songs, I cheated and instead of using a song, I used an entire album for my number one, yeah. and it was Olivia Rodrigo's album, Sour. And there was just so much I wanted to say about Olivia Rodrigo, and there's so much I think is cool about her and her career. I was like, we should do an episode like this, and immediately thought of the other ones, and here we are. So, number one, Olivia Rodrigo, 20 years old, uh, coming up on 21 soon. She only yeah. has two studio albums, Sour and Guts, 65 million monthly Spotify listens, and once again, is another. Another theme here, she used to be a, a, a Disney TV actress, so people hear Disney and immediately dismiss she can't be a serious artist. Yeah. They see the screaming 12 and 13-year-old girls, she, this can't be music that I would like, and they're just so wrong. She's such a good songwriter. And she's a lover of rock music. She grew up listening to rock and roll. She loves it, especially 90s rock. Her influences include Snail Mail, which is a, another young and up-and-coming band that I really like, Joni Mitchell, yeah. Bikini Kill, who you just mentioned, Gwen Stefani, yeah. Depeche Mode, Billy Joel, Slater Kinney, and Simon and Garfunkel. That's not a cookie-cutter pop star list. This is someone no. who is drawing from influences that sound good to her. She's very much a student of music and loves it, and she's such a good songwriter. Great, great hooks. I got a lot of material about her because she was recently in August profiled in the New York Times or around the time her second album came out. I got a lot of good quotes that I think really paint a good picture of who she is. So I'm quoting her now. Always love rock music and always wanted to find a way that I could make it feel like me and make it feel feminine and still telling a story and having something to say that's vulnerable and intimate. And she said that artists she admires are, quote, using rock music, but they're not trying to recreate a version of rock music that guys make. She was talking about one of her songs called Traitor. And she said, it's kind of sad, but deep down, it's a really angry angry song. She describes looking at the audience and seeing these girls shouting the lyrics back to her with, and I'm quoting her, tears streaming down their faces, screaming. They were so angry. That girl felt how I felt. It's the coolest thing ever, unquote. That's what I hear every time I listen. I'm just like, this is a great, great song expressing emotion that anyone can relate to. Everyone's been there because she's, she's only 20 years old. We've all been through that. If we're listening to music at, at our age, Seth, we've been through this. We've yeah. been through that stage and a lot of other stages since. Before I say anything more, about it. Let's listen to Bad Idea right. Yes, so you can hear the rock and roll in this song. Yes, there's pop influences but that's rock. She loves rock. Just a few more quick things to say about Olivia Rodrigo. A couple of her mentors, she's got some really interesting people interested in her. Jack White wrote her a letter when she first started making music. She says, he wrote me this letter the first time I met him that said, your only job is to write music that you would want to hear on the radio. I mean, writing songs that you would like to hear on the radio is in fact very hard. <laughs> and she does it. Like yeah. all her songs are just bangers that you want to sing along to and roll the windows down. And you mentioned Bikini Kill. Kathleen Hanna of Bikini Kill said, she's a revelation. To be my age and cry at something that someone so young wrote, like listening to Driver's License for the first time and sobbing in my car. Kathleen Hanna has got some rock and roll cred. She's the one who said Kurt Cobain smells like teen spirit leading to an entire decade of genre-changing <laughs> influential music started off by, by Nirvana. So Olivia Rodrigo, she's got hard rock in her soul. Nobody should ever dismiss her because they hear that word Disney or they see her fans. She's my number one. Do you have any honorable mentions? I, I don't. It never even occurred to me. The top five just popped into my head so quickly, yeah. organized themselves by slots, and I never even, there was nobody I considered bumping any of these five artists off for. So there were a couple of honorable mentions that I had. One of them is a group called Crownlands. They're a duo. They're prog rock. They have a drummer that sings. I didn't get the guy's name, but his voice is kind of a mix of Robert Plant and Getty Lee, if you can imagine <laughs> that. No. <laughs> um, the guitarist plays a, like a, a lot of foot pedal synth for the bass and occasional keys. 
and they have kind of a unique sound. They're a little weird, but they're kind of cool. So Crownlands is a good one. And then when I looked up some stuff on the internet for these ladies, they had them as a super group, but not wanting to use the prog rock term of super group. But it's a group called Boy Genius. Oh, I love Boy Genius. Which, yeah. Which is it's Phoebe Bridgers, Lucy Dacus, I think. And yeah, Lucy Julian Dacus. Baker. I feel like they've been and, around for a while, though. Some not the not the band, but the but some of those are. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they're not. They haven't been around too long. So their first EP came out in 2018. No, I don't mean the band. First, I mean Phoebe Bridgers in particular. I feel like she's been oh, around a while. Yeah. yeah, yeah, they've been around for a while individually, but the band, their first EP, which is self-titled Boy Genius, came out in 2018, and their first real album entitled The Record came mm. out in 2023. Yeah. No, they're great. So, uh, I love them. Amazing harmonies. God, yeah. those ladies, when they sing together, are just awesome. Those are my cool. honorable mentions. And, okay. and we should say, you know, that everybody at Rock U is an up-and-comer, too. So, <laughs> Some of us have been around a little longer than 10 years, Seth. <laughs> If you want to listen to the songs that we mentioned on this podcast in their entirety, check out the Spotify playlist that we've got in the show notes to hear them all. Sunday, 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 we're doing it again. All the adult bands at La Boule Noir. Matt, tell them all about it. That's right, Seth. Twelve adult bands, six hours of musical mayhem. La Boulevard, Sunday, February 4th. Every adult band, a lot of new members. Can't wait to hear what they play. Come and join us. It's free as always, open to everyone and family friendly. All right, kids, we're back. And since we've brought this subject up a few times before on the podcast, Matt and I decided that we would kind of go over what the 27 Club is. And it's not a club that you want to be a member of. Definitely not. (laughs) I'm going to let Matt run with this for a little bit, and I might throw a few things in, but take it away, Matt. Sure. Well, the 27 Club refers to a group of musicians and other artists, but let's, for our purposes, we can limit ourselves to musicians who died at age 27. And right off the bat, it's not actually a statistical thing. It's just a coincidence. There's been a bunch of research done on whether this is more likely to happen to 27-year-olds, and it's not. It just worked out that way. Yeah. became sort of a thing. People started realizing it mostly when Kurt Cobain took his own life at age 27. Yeah. That was the beginning of the internet really taking things over and tabloid journalism being very strong and sort of transferring to the internet. And his mother was quoted in a local paper. She said, now he's gone and joined that stupid club. I told him not to join that stupid club. And the Associated Press picked it up and it ran nationwide. And the next thing you know, this is the thing that everyone's talking about. So you've got Robert Johnson, who we talked about at length when we we talked about Sweet Home Chicago. You've got Brian Jones right. from the Rolling Stones, Jimi Hendrix, yep. Janis Joplin, Jim Morrison, uh, then Kurt Cobain, then later Amy Winehouse. I'll throw just a couple more names out there. Ron Pigpen McKiernan from the uh, Grateful Dead. and from Grateful not, Dead, yeah. Not exclusively a musician, but Anton Yelchin, a, a fine actor who we also talked about back in our movie episode in season one, who played opposite Billy Crudup in Rudderless, which is one of my favorite movies about music. So those are some of the notable musicians, including Anton Yelchin, who are in the 27 Club. There are plenty of other artists, too, but I think those are the ones for our purposes who we recognize recognize as members. And you'll see murals sometimes, or people will make references to this in lyrics. Amy Winehouse's personal assistant said in an interview three years before Winehouse's death that Amy worried about becoming part of the 27 Club. And Mac Miller had a lyric in one of his songs, I'm hoping not to join the 27 Club. And he passed away at age 26. So in a kind of sad way, he did not join the club. But yeah, it's a thing that's out there. You hear about it in the culture, you hear about it in music. What do you got to tell us about it? As you touch on the claim of the statistical spike for deaths of musicians at that age has been refuted by research, even though it remains a cultural phenomenon. Uh, There was a study published in the British Medical Journal, oddly enough, in December of 2011 that concluded that there was no significant increase in the risk of death for musicians at the age of 27, stating that there were equally small increases at ages 25 and 32. 
2002, hmm. the study noted that young adult musicians have a higher death rate than the general young adult population. And they surmised that, and I'm going to quote here, fame may increase the risk of death among musicians, but this is not limited to age 27. I'm going to throw one name in here that sure. you didn't pick up. Kristen Pfaff who played okay. bass for the band Hole, died huh. within a couple of months after Kurt Cobain in 1994 of a drug overdose, allegedly. And she doesn't get brought up very much, but being in the same circle as Courtney Love, like Kurt Cobain was, hmm. I just find that odd that her name isn't brought up more when you talk about the 27 Club. Okay. But there are a ton of famous rock and roll personalities that died before age 30. Buddy Holly was 21. Richie mm. Valens was 17. And mm -hmm. the Big Bopper, whose real name is Giles Perry Richardson Jr., was 28 years old when they all yep. died on that fateful plane crash. Randy Rhodes was 25, the guy who played guitar for Ozzy Osbourne. Dwayne Allman was 24. Cliff Burton, who sadly died in that bus crash, was 24 years old. Otis mm -hmm. Redding, sitting on the dock of the bay, died at 26. Sid Vicious was 21. Ronnie Van Zant was 29. Ian Curtis was 24. Hello Slovak, the first guitarist for the Red Hot Chili Peppers, was 26. Shannon Hoon, the singer for Blind Melon, was 28. So rock and roll is kind of a dangerous situation if you get into using sure. controlled substances and drinking too much alcohol. And then there's an, a number of plane, car, and bus crash victims. Sure. The 27 Club, like you said, is kind of a cultural phenomenon, but there's no mm -hmm. real data behind it. No, no. I think it really has a lot of mystique for people because of the same kind of dynamic in rock and roll, you know, what you just referred to. But we were talking, I can't remember which episode it was, about the Neil Young lyric, Better to Burn Out Than Fade Away, which yeah. got a lot of attention when Kurt Cobain used it in his suicide note. Yes. Uh, this, is, this is sort of this mythical idea of the tortured artist, the brilliant artist taken from us too soon, romanticized. And I think that probably there's probably a feedback loop where a lot of people don't mind doing things that are maybe not so good for their health because what's the worst that can happen is they somehow get immortalized as having died too young but it's not a good way to live life people <laughs> maybe no it's think, not yeah think about what you're doing but in any case obviously some of these people that's not the reason why they passed away and there is a this is a pretty distinguished list of musicians to be sure We wanted to tell the listeners about a new idea we've got for a segment. We need a name for it, too. You can help us out with that. We want you to write in with your situations. And Seth and I are each going to propose what we think is the perfect musical message to send, the right song for the situation. You want to quit your job? You want to propose marriage? You achieved a beatdown of your best friend in a tennis match or a golf game or something like that? You write to us. <laughs> write to us at podcast at rock-u.fr. And Seth and I will each come up with the perfect song that you can use to make your point. Whatever situation you got, I think we can find a song for it. So I know we can. Let us know what you got. All right, kids, we're back. And it's time for the one minute of insanity. It's the one minute matchup. Oh, yeah. Right, so uh, let's go. <laughs> we had the issue come up of who is the artist you wish you could have seen before they died or before the group broke up? I'm really curious. I don't know who yours is going to be. So I'm really curious to hear what you have to say. So do you want to go first? If you like, sure. Oh, I don't think you'd be too that, surprised, though. What's that? And speaking of going yeah. first and everything, um, yeah. <laughs> I need to get the stopwatch out. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Mine's already. You, you want to go? No, no, no. I'm, okay. I got you. I got you. All okay, right. okay. Can you, yeah, can I can you see it. that? Yep. All right. Hopefully, I'm not going to fat finger this like I've done before. Here we go. Your minute starts now. Uh, this, is, this is a pretty easy one for me. Um, you know, we hear a lot of, about the death of an artist or the death of a musician, and sometimes there's a lot of regret and sorrow for the person's passing, but typically their best their best creative days are behind them when that happens and it's it may be sad personally but it's hard to see it as sad for the music world um, the one that hit me the hardest actually two and mostly because I hadn't seen them live um, were uh, Prince and Tom Petty who died about a year apart 
Uh, I think Prince was 2016, Tom Petty was 2017. They were still active. They were still incredibly creative. They were still very relevant. And I remember feeling so sad that I had missed the chance to see them both perform. Uh, it's a close one, but I'll take Prince because as a live performer, even though I know he could be spotty, when he was on, he was extraordinary. And some of the videos that are now surfacing are some of the best live performances I've ever seen. So my answer is Prince. 59 seconds. Dude, right at a minute. Yeah. Are you like, surprised it was like that you I... practiced that or something. <laughs> no, I didn't practice it. Are you surprised <laughs> that I chose Prince, though? He's kind of my answer to almost no, any question. No, not, <laughs> not surprised. Yeah, not I was going to say, Prince, Prince is Matt's answer to pretty much any question about Well, if it? it's not the Beatles, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Prince or the Beatles. I thought you might have gone with the Beatles just because no. they did cut their performing off you know, about halfway through the life cycle of the band. I think you really would have enjoyed going to see a Beatles show too. But. I, I was going to save this for the end, but since you brought it up, no, because uh, everyone who ever saw the Beatles live says you couldn't hear a thing because the screaming was too loud. And that's why they stopped touring, uh, or one of the reasons. And their music is meant to listen to in a good quality, and they stopped performing live for a reason. They, they didn't miss it, so I don't miss it either. But that's, a, that's another conversation. You ready for okay. your, your minute? I'm ready. Okay, I'll give you a little countdown. Three, two, yeah. one. Whoops. Okay. Uh, all right. I wish that I had been able to see Zeppelin to watch John Bonham play drums. I, I would have loved to see the Stones with Charlie Watts, although Steve Jordan was phenomenal when we saw him in Paris. I would love to see the police play live. And I, sadly, I never got to see the Foo Fighters with Taylor Hawkins. But I got to say, I never got to see Stevie Ray Vaughan and Double Trouble play live. And that's probably why they're the top of my list. Watching mm. their live performances on Austin City Limits is great. But you know it had to be transcendent to just be in the room when those guys played. I would have loved to have seen them play at the Montreux Jazz Festival in 82 when they got booed by the crowd for playing Texas Flood. There's a video on YouTube where you can actually see people booing them. Wow. But um, uh, you can say what you want about Chris Layton and Tommy Shannon, whether they're, whether they're good or bad or whatever. They're super solid Texas blues musicians. And the music they made was just the perfect backdrop for Stevie's talent. And that's a minute one. That's so. not bad. All right. <laughs> Seth, I did see Stevie Ray Vaughan play. Got to see him in, I want to say it was the summer of 1988, I believe. And I can tell you it was an outdoor wow. venue. And I can tell you he played about three hours. He didn't yeah. speak at all. He just played. And the next song? Played that one. Played. Got the next song? Played that one. At the end, he said, thank you, and walked off the stage. It was a phenomenal performance. So he would have lived up to your uh, your expectation. Yeah. I'm sorry I didn't get a chance to get the chance to see him. Everybody I know that got to see him in Double Trouble, they were just like, mm. it's just absolutely amazing. If I could pick to go back in time and see one show, it'd be the 82 Montreux Jazz Festival before he got the record deal. And mm -hmm. uh, that's actually where David Bowie found him, was at Montreux. Mm -hmm. Cool. So was there something on this podcast that you wanted to talk to us about? <laughs> Did we get something wrong? Do you not agree with some of the stuff that we said? Then you need to email us at podcast at rock-u.fr. Extra credit, the Rock You podcast is brought to you with support from our partners at Big Pebble Records. Big Pebble Records is your one-stop shop for all music production in Paris. Everything from the composition to the creative side, to the recording and engineering, to the mixing and mastering, to the distribution and publication and publicity. Check them out at www.bigpebblerecords.com. And of course, you will hear lots of Rock You musicians on that label. Extra Credit, the Rock U podcast, is a production of Rock U. Expertly engineered and recorded by my good friend Seth Hinckley. And our theme music is written and produced by Tom Walters. Rock U is a nonprofit association, Loi 1901, and we'll see you next time.